Our lives are filled with defining moments. Tragedy shapes us. Suffering changes us. But it's how we take tragedy and how we learn from suffering that determines the next phase or trajectory of our lives. We can choose to use that suffering as an excuse and become bitter and disheartened and withdraw from the world. Or we can use it to grow. We can use it to make ourselves better, to make others better, to leave our communities and families better than we found them. My guest today, at the age of 26, nearly died from someone trying to kill her. She could have used that experience and let it defeat her, but instead she used it as fuel to impact the next generation for good. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. My guest this week is Samya Munjal. Samya is an Indian American whose journey to social entrepreneurship began with her mother in India, who as a child ended up living in extreme poverty with her family during the partition. When Samya's parents migrated to the U.S., racism and systemic economic hurdles meant the family had to push hard for upward mobility. These experiences created in Samya a burning desire to work for the economic empowerment of the disenfranchised, wealth gap dismantling, and youth education. Today, Samya and her mother lead several social enterprises, including CPA for the People, which which is a financial firm with a social change edge, Youthful Savings, which is an edutech firm that creates innovative learning projects for youth, Audacious Endeavors, an artist agency that utilizes art to advocate for social change, and the Youthful Savings Foundation, a nonprofit arm that provides youth scholarships. I loved how challenging and encouraging this conversation with Somia was. Somia and I come from very different families, different backgrounds, different places. We have had different life experiences, yet we have both experienced tragedy and suffering in our own ways. We both want to make the world a better place. Even in our differences, there is so much that Somia and I have in common. And I have found that's how most of us are. We're different, yet there's something that connects us. Look, being able to have tough conversations about important issues with others is so important to me, and I really value this conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Somia. Hey, Somia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored to have you as our guest this week, and I... When you know, I recent I was just recently introduced to you, and as mm-hmm. I have just kind of done my you know my little bit of internet stalking, <laughs> I, I do mm-hmm. I always do a, a tiny bit of internet stalking of my guests before our interviews. Should, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, and I am just so I'm just blown away by your story, and so I want everybody to hear it. So I'm we're just going to dive right in um, and have you give us the Somia 101. So tell us who you are and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I think I guess it kind of changes every day um, <laughs> what I'm up to. But yeah, no. So basically, I, you know, I'm 34 years old. I just as a millennial, I guess is what I am. Um, Gen Y millennial. I just am super like frustrated <laughs> with um, like humanity. That's like where I'm at. Yeah. I just wish that we all, you know, took responsibility for the things that we do wrong and because we all do, right? We all make mistakes. We all, mm-hmm. you know, don't always act in the most moral way possible. And I just think that if we could, you know, live in a society where it was like, okay, to take responsibility for things, and it was cool to support each other, then the world could change. And I just get frustrated, because I feel like there are so many people on this planet right now, and we're maybe not all working together with like the same values. And so, um, this minus five years was when I was in DC in 2012 and 2013. And I just saw that 
like happening a lot mm-hmm. because the biggest leaders that we have, you know, are, represent us and they make a lot of big decisions for us. And it definitely impacts both our macroeconomics and our microeconomics within our own household. Yeah. And I just think that we, we have some issues. <laughs> and so uh, statistically speaking, there's like homelessness, there's poverty, there's systematic oppression, there's racism, there's some big issues that are occurring in our nation and let alone some of the decisions that are made um, to create wealth for certain people through foreign policy. You know, it's also like there's just a lot that's being put into light right now, like five years later from my time in D.C. Yeah. And so I'm personally just really focused on empowering people from the ground up. Right. So we have youthful savings, which really focuses on enrichment education, um, like economic empowerment education, socioeconomic empowerment education, character development through our uh, tool called learningmarketplace.org. Mm-hmm. And so it really is just like a hub for teachers and parents to go get some really great learning products that really enrich the brains and hearts of our kids. Um, and then I have a CPA firm where I really focus on like fiscal policy reform and monetary policy reform to really just like help people understand the tax code, get them access to investment accounts and bank accounts through some of our partnerships and just really like economically empower people mm-hmm. um, while also hopefully bringing like a, a, a level of kindness and responsibility as well to people. Yeah. That's the best I could do. Um, so I just spend a lot of time with people. Um just trying to understand like where we're going wrong. You know, it just seems to me like I can't, I don't listen to the news. Like I used to be an NPR girl. Yeah. You know, I'd wake up in the morning and listen. I just can't do it because I just feel like how much more can I personally do to try to fix things? Things that just aren't changing. Yeah. Um, and, and the media like is, is taking up. It seems like we are living in a society that likes controversy and we like to see other people lose. And that's just not who I am. It's not how I was raised. And so I just have to take a, I just can't, I just can't watch it. That's why I love what you're doing, you know, bringing to light positive stories. Um, we need that, you know, there's somewhere deep down in us. We, we want to be happy for each other. I feel, I just think that how we can, you know, really encourage that would be really, really helpful. And so I just spend a lot of time, trying to work with people at the ground level. I guess that's the best way to describe what I do. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that the the whole comment about we needing positive stories. We want to celebrate yeah. each other because it's it's so interesting in, you know, 130 interviews that I've done, I mm-hmm. have just come across I've interviewed people on all from all walks of life on uh-huh. all sides of the political spectrum from mm-hmm. all different socioeconomic statuses different races yeah. different cultures different backgrounds different countries i've i mean i i had a guest who Great. is in bali i had a guest who is in uganda That's i have dope. a guest who's in yeah. india and singapore and so I've learned so much from all of these different people. And it's so funny Mm -hmm. because it does not matter if this person kind of leans more on the conservative side or more on the liberal side or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. the social construct we think that we have placed this person in. Mm -hmm. There has been just this common thread among every single guest because these are people who want to see our our country, our world, our communities changed. We want Mm -hmm. to see people being treated and and seen as equal. We want people to we we want to see people as human. And it's just amazing. Yeah. I think that we have a bigger issue of institutionalized like corruption is what I'm going to call it. Mm-hmm. I think our political system is built on like win and lose. Yes. That's the problem. And I think our, our nations are built on like my nation, this GDP system, right? Like my nation is better than your nation. Yep. It's like this, this we're 
driving home a level of competitiveness that may have created like progression, I'll call it. Yeah. Right. But, but now it's like, we have to take a step back and we have to realize that the earth might not be here in 20 years because (laughs) that's how much we've gone to competitiveness without really checking ourselves on some metrics that are necessary. Yeah. So I just think we all have to like take a step back and I get, we all have to eat. We all want a good life. But I think that we're living in a society that just is, is losing some sort of like universal moral codes of like kindness. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And, and I don't I don't know what the secret is. But I, what I do know is that when we work with the kids directly and we work with really dope educators, yeah. like change happens. Yes. And when I went on one on one level, like helping people with their taxes or helping them with their finances, like some sort of impact is made. Yes. I think on a grander scale group think can really screw us over really seriously and I think that if the more we can celebrate like our individual soul working in the collaborative environment like that would be helpful and even like religion like religion should not pit one god against another like that's not it just doesn't seem right to me as a human and that's sort of controversial to say but like I know I'm Indian and so we're sort of like the original culture right like our culture isn't like, we're just like, all gods are awesome. Right. Like uh-huh. we get it. And yeah. I just think it, that is at the core too, is like bigger issues are occurring because we pit one God against another. And that's, it's all very economical actually. Yeah. It's very convenient to say my God is better than your God. And now I'm going to go steal your land and I'm going to take your oil. Yeah. Very convenient. <laughs> like, well, I think that uh, this, yeah, I mean, this brings to light a really interesting thing. That it's not a conversation I've ever had on this show before. And I just uh-huh. feel like you're the type of person like I can have this conversation with. Um, because I, when we come at a plate, we, when we come to these conversations with a place mm-hmm. of humility and mm-hmm. understanding and mm-hmm. wanting to just listen, um, mm-hmm. because I mean, I like I'm a Christian. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, but I love sitting down and having conversations with people of other faiths so I can just come to understand from what what position they are coming from. Um, and it's not a like a position of I just think I'm better because I'm Christian. Like, that's not it at all. It's more of a, OK, well, I want to understand what is your worldview? What have you taught? What have you been taught? What have you been experienced? And can we come to a place of love and understanding? Mm-hmm. And it's not like yeah, a, learning. Yes. Learning. Yes. And honestly, I, learning. And it bothers me key. so much sometimes when when other Christians that are, you know, that try to like paint themselves as like, oh, well, you know, if you're not Christian, you can't sit with us. And I'm just like, yeah, do y'all did y'all did y'all read the New Testament? Like, did you see what exactly. Jesus was doing? Like, yeah, <laughs> who also, was Jesus I, I sitting with? hundred <laughs> percent. Like I, I actually did an MBA in Christian leadership. Like yeah. my MBA is in from a, like a Baptist school. Like I think Jesus Christ is amazing. But I think See, the problem is, is like when you when sects of people come in and like steal your land and conquer you, they like take away your culture and your history. Mm -hmm. So it's important to understand that like Jesus, like he came down to be like, yo, everybody should be loved. Mm -hmm. What occurred that was the business behind him had a lot of business metrics of win lose. I have to say that. Like, I mean, it's important to understand that every single amazing human being that comes down that has like, quote unquote, godlike qualities, Mm -hmm. wants equality and wants people to love each other. I think what happens is, is that it can turn into like, you have to be Christian in order to be a good person or like, 
you know, Christopher Columbus used Christianity as a way to get rid of the native culture. Like that was his thing. Yeah. So we, you got to take responsibility for that is all I'm trying to say. Like, it doesn't mean we all have it. Like I'm Indian, I'm North Indian. So my parents are part of the Iranian conquering that occurred in India. Yeah. Like I take responsibility for that. You yeah. Know? yeah. And I don't like that, but that's where it began. Like conquering began there with the Aryan influence. And it's very interesting to see that someone like um, in Germany, when they got rid of the Jews, they used the same word Aryan. But yeah. the original Jews that were conquering were conquering India and they were calling themselves Aryan. Yeah. So it just goes to show that karma is real. And we're just like utilizing the same mechanisms yeah. of destroying each other for no apparent reason other than our fear that we don't have enough to eat and we yeah. don't have enough land. Yeah. So it's greed. No, for sure. Yeah. And I think that there are I mean, there are obviously areas in which like it's it's tricky because when you start to get into Mm -hmm. the the nitty gritty and the details, I mean, for Mm -hmm. me, like my foundation is built on my belief and my my understanding and my belief that Jesus was the son of God and that and he, that he came. Yeah, down. that is my belief. However, but one of the things that you brought up was that was really interesting. And it was actually something that I was listening to on a podcast this morning was when you were talking about like people stealing each other's land and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, it was talking about how the foundation of power in, especially mm-hmm. in the United States, but globally, the foundation mm-hmm. of like people in power, like when you owned property, that gave mm-hmm. you power. And so yeah. w- when we look at like the foundation of the United States, that comes in from a... Um, you you have like the founding fathers who stole in a lot of ways. I mean, they stole land <laughs> yeah. from other people yeah. who were native. And founded an unjust system. That yeah, about yeah. And Correct. so you know, we that thank you, like thank you for saying that, and thank you, like thank God that we are alive during a time where like yeah. we could we could take Google and you know people like Howard Zinn created like you know Howard Zinn created this book called The People's History of the United States and it's like currently like you can't get it in Indianapolis or something like mm-hmm. you know it's like banned in certain cities and certain schools yeah but the thing is is that he went and he did the deep dive and he like found Christopher Columbus's um diary and that's yeah. how he got some of the truth out of it so it just yeah. goes to show like how important it is to document your story and your yeah. history and that's really what we're trying to do with learning marketplace because we're trying to build like a uncommon education system is what I'll call it. So enrichment education and like truths our next step is, is how do we go to like other countries that are really suffering like Yemen and um, like Uganda or whatever, like some of these other cities, these other countries and Mm -hmm. and understand what is actually going down and making some history products so that that can then be put into the school system because it really does take evolution of people to make the world a better place. So the kids need to be more informed and they need to be more empathetic and they need to understand what truth is. Like we can't continue to utilize education as a way to create divisive mechanisms. Right. And that does happen, right? Like in this country specifically, there's an elitist education system. There's a lot of issues that when you go to um, underserved communities. So we're trying to build a hub where, you know, we'll give you guys free subscriptions in underserved communities if you can't afford it. But the the quality of education shouldn't change just based on, you know, where you were born. I agree. That's out of your control. Yeah. I mean, and it's, oh, man, there's so much I could say. You know, when we start to, like, say out loud, like, you don't, I mean, let's be honest. Like, let's look at an example like Germany. 
Like, yeah, you don't have mm-hmm. Germans that are just like, nope, Nazis didn't exist. We didn't have concentration camps. Like, thank you. No, exactly. they, they acknowledge exactly. that that is a part of their history. They yes. don't. They don't have to like it. But I think I so often when we get into these conversations surrounding mm-hmm. race and economic status and you know systemic mm-hmm. poverty and all those types mm-hmm. of things, it's almost like people who are let's just be honest, like it, it, mostly white Americans. What no matter mm-hmm. what they're like socioeconomic status is they begin to feel offended and they begin to feel like oh mm-hmm. well I, I mean i i didn't own slaves or i didn't steal land for anybody or what and like I know. it's like no you didn't but like potentially there are people in your ancestry that did yeah or, you know no i think that you're absolutely right and this is where you know sovia Mundell gets in some trouble <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and i have a book coming out called audacious endeavors i have you know and this is, I'm 34 now. I can't continue to use the same mechanisms. Of, I'm not a kid anymore. So I can't just be like, you stole this land. But yeah. that does come out of my mouth sometimes. <laughs> but I come into the table with humility. Like, you have to understand that yeah. I am North Indian. Like, so yeah. if I were to go to India, when I do go to India and I, and I spend time with South Indians, like, I'm the problem. There's, yeah. there's nothing different between black and white and a North Indian and a South Indian. It's the same thing in India. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I was born here, but I, I have that background. It's mm-hmm. just like. We have to take responsibility. And there is a socioeconomic um, increase that occurred in the Indian culture. But now with technology, it's interesting with technology and the good fight that people have fought, like people are leveling up. Right. And they yeah. have the ability to make more money and they they have the ability to be economically empowered. The work's just not done yet. Right. But taking responsibility for the sins of your fathers is not difficult. Yeah. It's really not. Yeah. On top of that, like people want to work together. I really believe that. Like as long as we can actively work on taking away like each other's fears, there is a a level of humanity that every single person has. I just think that there are certain triggers that can bring out like weirdness, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I would just, I personally just think that as a, as a collectiveness in America, like we sort of need to ask our highest level of government Right. To start working together because that's costing us money. And now you're talking about something like land is power. Right. Well, it's Mm -hmm. actually very expensive to buy land now. Yeah. So we're all in this together now. Yeah. Um, And so there is this like change that I think is occurring. And I think the more that we can like collaborate and work together and be maybe a little bit more detached Mm -hmm. from things and from stuff would be really great. Would be really great. My concern is with the next generation is like social media. Like I'm actually really concerned about that because mm-hmm. there's a level of fakeness that occurs there. Yeah. And there's a level of like, oh, my God, look how rich I am. You know what I mean? And there's yeah. like a there's a level of jealousy that does occur through social media that isn't good. Yeah. Um, and I think we're dealing with a dumbing down of society through reality television. Completely. Um, and that is where I'm at right now. So our job with learning marketplace is really like, how do we encourage like reading, writing, like, how do we make it cool to like be a good person and to be an intelligent person and be able to have the conversations that you and I are having, right? Like, this is a great thing. And if the kids could have this too at a young age and and come together, like that would be great. Um, but I don't know how to shut down (laughs) reality television. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, unfortunately, like politics is becoming reality television. And I think there's a, a hand that media has at this. And we have a hand in giving our eyeballs to that, which is just making them more money. Yeah. Yeah. And the more that we begin to 
have conversations like this one or just coming, like I was saying earlier, about coming from a place of understanding. And sometimes we mm-hmm. make assumptions about, a, well, I mean, not sometimes, we always make assumptions about a yeah. person based on 100%. their their name, the way they look, the way they dress, right. where they live, like right. what they believe, what their religion is, what they're not, mm-hmm. really, if they're an atheist, like if they, right. you know, if they didn't go to college, if they did, like whatever, we, we yeah. sum up and we make all these assumptions about a person rather than saying like, hey, you know, you know, I, you're different from me. Uh, mm-hmm. I would like to learn more about you. How, tell me your story. And I want to know, like, where are you coming from? Um, I mean, I had a conversation. Uh, I had a guest on the show. It was one of my just favorite interviews ever. Um, mm-hmm. A guy by the name of Antonio Smith Jr. Um, and mm-hmm. he is, he was born in Galveston, Texas. Um, and he came from a, a family where uh, his parents did drugs. And uh, I'm sharing his, his story because he shared this. So, so I have permission yeah. In that, uh, but yeah, his parents did drugs, and he basically was um, given up uh, by the age of six. From the age of mm. six to fourteen, he was homeless, living mm. in a dumpster by himself. Mm. Um, and then, you know, he he grew up. He he had somebody finally kind of take him under his wing and adopt him. Um, mm. But he has a story that has influenced the way that he sees the world. Mm-hmm. And so you might look at him today and you see that he's a self-made millionaire. You might make mm-hmm. assumptions right. about him, right, right, right. yet you don't know right. the story behind him. And right. so like, and, but that's just one like tiny little example of so many different people that I come into contact with. And I like, my husband always laughs at me because everywhere we go, no matter like who I interact with, whether it's the cashier at the grocery store or, you know, the woman who works at the drive through at McDonald's named uh, Julie. <laughs> or mm-hmm. um, my guys who work at the gas station where I get my Diet Coke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Shout yeah, out anymore. Shout out to Muhammad and Pierre. I love you guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but my husband laughs at me because I always ask their names and I always Good address them by their name. And I, I, I start to ask questions like, where are you from? What do right. you, you know, uh, what's your family like? So, I mean, I literally know about like Muhammad, who's the cashier at my gas station. Like I know he has a wife, he has an 18 month old son. Like I know right. that his wife, was in Bangladesh for years he had to fly back over and bring her back like you know all these things I know I know those things because I care and I want to know this person's story and the you know my eyes begin to open when I learn that um and Mm -hmm. you know and even though I am you know of somebody of a different faith background than than some of those people that I might be speaking with I can still come at them and I can see them the way that that my Jesus sees them. Like I know that Jesus sees them as a child mm-hmm. of God, as somebody that he loves and that he died for. I mean, like those are the things that I believe. And so when I start to see people through that lens, it completely changes the way that we all interact with each other. And, you know, the more that we turn off the news, like you were saying, and turning off reality television, and we start to just have meaningful conversations with other people, like yeah. that is where change happens, truly. If we if we just sit and we try and, you know, forget the past or we try and be embarrassed about our, our history, uh, nothing changes. <laughs> like insanity, changes. the actual definition yeah. of insanity is like doing the same thing over and over again, expecting yes. different results. So like, yeah, totally. <laughs> nothing changes. And it's okay. Like we're like I'm telling you, every single one of us has like history that's unkind. There, we're in this like we're human, yes, and yes. humans make lots of mistakes. And the but as a human, 
you can be better and you can learn mm-hmm. and you can communicate and you can do all these amazing things right. that I w- I think like a dog would love to do, you know? <laughs> so, um, so I think we have it good. My, and yeah, so I think what you're doing is amazing. I think, um, I'm just, I'm just seeing, cause I spend a lot of time with kids. I'm yeah. just seeing, um, a lot of anxiety. And I think yeah. a lot of that is associated with social media because yeah. conversations, I know as a kid, I had anxiety and I think the more that I, I can't imagine what it would be like if I had like oh. things happening. Oh no. Yeah. Through, so, you know what I mean? Like I didn't have to deal with that. Um, so I, I know my job as a human being, like everybody has like a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. My purpose is to like serve kids. Like that's my thing. I love it. Um, I have to pay for that through like working with adults, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's what lights me up, you know, yeah. is just like impacting children and being there for them and me not having kids of my own, like makes it, I have more time to do that. Yeah. Um, so that's big for me. And I, I, I just, you know, I would like to die knowing that kids are cared for. And, you know, there's always going to inevitably be holes that occur between really great, you know, really great parents with the best intentions are always still going to need like a teacher, a good teacher, like a good mentor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that was really big for me. Like I worked a lot when I was a kid and my bosses made like a big impact on me. Yeah. Um, and just like, you know, not only was I getting paid, but they were also like cared about me. So we just want to grow our company so we can hire more young people. Yeah. Cause I think that's like a really great way to, um, encourage people's growth, I guess is what I'll call it. Yes. But on a macro level, where, where I'm at now is like, well, I can do all this work with kids, but if the high level policy is sinister <laughs> and we use the word sinister, then we've got some problems, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think there is like a level of how do we create some culture change, um, with the way that this nation particularly was created yeah. post-World War II. Um, cause that's really where it got really bad is mm-hmm. post-World War II. Like that's where like the CIA stuff started happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, the founding fathers were the CIA in their own right, but it just kind of got worse. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> there's just a lot, there's a lot of work. And I think that if you can influence the children well, then you've got this ability to hopefully create some sort of like positive collaborative change. Um, because we just, we just have a lot of kids on this planet and we have a lot of mechanisms that are creating a lot of harm that is actually harming our ecosystem. And so that's all like a call for us to be kinder. Right. And I think that that will make a huge difference. I think that's absolutely incredible. And I love that you have such a passion and a drive for something like um, as specific as impacting children. And um, I mean, I always tell people, I'm like, the more specific you can really hone in and focus your passion, the more impact yeah. you're going to have. Yes, um, for sure. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've got two young children. Uh, my daughter is five. My son is almost three. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think about the world that they are growing up in. And I, th- mm-hmm. I think about what's the change that I can do at home and how can I minister mm-hmm. to them at home and how can I serve them at home so that they mm-hmm. grow up to be kinder people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I obviously like I was, <laughs> my husband and I have this conversation a lot. I say like, you know, obviously I love sports. Like if our kids want to mm-hmm. play sports, that's great. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end, like if they, you know, obviously I want them to, to work hard and do well in school. But like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, my priority as a mom is to make sure that they become adults that have integrity, that are kind, Mm -hmm. that are Mm -hmm. generous, um, because Mm -hmm. that is going to serve them and have a good work ethic. Like that's going to serve them far more than if they get an A in biology 
or yeah. if they are the top on their, you know, football team. Like a, that. Yeah. That stuff agree. just doesn't matter when they're 40. <laughs> like if well, when you should check out learningmarketplace.org <laughs> yeah. and we'll do a little promotion because we have um, a product called Integrity, Trust, and Building Humble Confidence. Yes. And so we do a lot of reflection-based exercises. So yeah. they'll go in through scenarios. So yeah, it's really it's really affordable. It's nine ninety eight uh, per month, That's and awesome. we come out with one to two products a week. Um, and so we either go directly to schools or parents. And so it's really just like it's a lot of restorative justice, character development. Um, economic empowerment, self-growth. Like we're really trying to hone in on, on building better humans. That's amazing. Um, yeah, we have a product called Cultivating Heart Intelligence. Like you're right because like we're, we live in a unique time where like, I'm a CPA. I don't, I can just Google changes. Like I don't really freak out about tax changes as mm-hmm. I think would have happened like 20 years ago Yeah. because I'd have to like go to a library or I'd have to like go to a class. Like I can literally just Google a lot of things and understand what's happening. What I can't Google is how to be a good human like that would require me to like have conversations with people, understand, like reflect on my life. Yeah. Um, And reflection is really, really important. And so we're really trying to like hone in on like experiential learning, reflection based learning, um, having kids going out and doing things, coming back and having conversations with their parents. Like that's really what Learning Marketplace is all about. Yeah, that is absolutely incredible. Now, I have to ask, um, and I know mm-hmm. a, li- a little bit about that your story based on um, what I've what I've read. Um, but where did this whole passion and journey for social entrepreneurship begin? Um, so I was, I, someone tried to kill me when I was 26. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, it was really bad, and it was very spite based. Um, so it was like spiteful against my family. And it's funny that I say that because we just dropped a new learning product called support versus spite uplifting humanity. Um, but yeah, that's, as I was going through that and like recuperating, I was like, okay, there's like a reason why I got saved. Um, and it was like on this, like my like rebirth, I'll call it like happened on like a very auspicious day in the Indian culture. And so, um, I I don't know. I just was like, well, if I can get through that, (laughs) I can get through anything. Um, but it was, I, I spent, it was a lot of forgiveness. Um, like to this day, I don't hold any sort of like negativity about that. I just really think that, listen, like if, if I could have, if we, it was a woman that did it too. So I just think that sometimes cultural things can affect and create negative emotions and spitefulness that can then lead to violence. And so what can we do as a society to uplift people at a young age and bring equality that would then take away violence as like an option? Wow. Um, and I get that that's very idealistic, no, <laughs> but no. while I'm alive, um, I'm going to focus on that. And no. I, I understand violence and I understand that that can be utilized as a coping mechanism, but like we can do better than that. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just, that's, that's really where the drive comes from. Like it was a really intense time in my life and um, I don't regret it at all. I think it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. But at the same token, there is like this an intense responsibility to try to uplift humanity that's like deep in my soul. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that aspect of your story. So thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, sure. I hear story. I mean, I, I will be honest. I've never heard a story from somebody who was... Uh, somebody tried to kill them. So I'll, I'll be, I'll just be honest in that. Um, but I mean, I have heard of people who have kind of, you know, those near death experiences um, mm-hmm. and they just, 
talk about the change that happens when they walk away from those experiences. Uh, right. So, right, right. wow. I'm just absolutely blown away. So again, thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. Um, so as we kind of wrap up here, um, before we head to our or transition to our just kind of fun, lighthearted, get to know you questions, uh, tell me what is on the horizon for you over the next couple of months. Yeah, so we um, so I have a book coming out called Audacious Endeavors, uh, Eight Steps to Light Your Inner Fire and Change the World. So that is coming out um, January 15th. Wonderful. We are all, yeah, January 15th, 2019. Awesome. Um, and then that'll be available on Amazon, so I got to promote that thing. <laughs> and then, um, it's really just the story of youthful savings and um, just talking about how other people can really get excited about social entrepreneurship. It doesn't really take much. It can be like a side project that can turn into a big project, which is what Youthful Savings was for me. Then Youthful Savings created a new like education hub um, called learningmarketplace.org. So really promoting that, working with schools and parents, getting that out there is going to be really big for me. Um, so just really kind of getting to as many people as possible. And I, I create a lot of the education products myself. Um, so I get a lot of inspiration from conversations like this and then I'll go back and I'll, I'll like create like a learning product for the kids. Um, but yeah, so I just, you know, I'm having fun. <laughs> doing yeah, a lot, just, <laughs> doing a little, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm having fun. Like it's just been really cool to see something from the ground up. Like that's, what's cool for me. Like I like building things and seeing it like adopt to people. Yeah. Um, I'm like, you know, I'm like a nobody, but I, you know, it's fun for me. Um, we haven't like hit like some sort of critical mass at all by any means between useful savings and any of the companies that I've built, but it, it'd be cool to see like us reaching more people and, um, seeing the impact happen. Cause we have, I've been do- on this journey for the past five years and I don't yeah. think we've hit like a critical mass yet. Yeah. So we're, I'm focused on kind of getting that going. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm always kind of of the mindset that like, if, until you've reached everyone, you're not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. That's how I feel too. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So now is the point of the show where we transition a little bit to just get to know you and ask just kind of some fun, lighthearted questions. So sure. Samia, are you excited about that and ready? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. First, uh, first question is what makes you laugh the most? Um, I am like a huge Hassan Minaj fan right now. Yeah, he's, he's so hilarious funny. and so intelligent and like is able to make like lightheartedness out of really serious. I just love him. Like yeah. what he's doing with his show is incredible. Like he's taking these really serious topics that literally like will give me depression um, and he's making it like really informative, mm-hmm. lighthearted and humanitarian all at the same time. And I just think he's amazing. I think Trevor Noah is amazing. I was going to say, I was like, I was about yeah, to say that reminds me of like I Trevor think, Noah is the same way. <laughs> yeah. And I think that whatever, like talk about a good leader, right? Like Trevor Noah is somebody that the minute that you work with them, like all of a sudden everybody becomes a star. And I love yeah. that. I just think that that's such a beautiful quality that yeah. is happening through the daily show. Yeah. Um, but I'm like a huge daily show fan and yeah. all the other like entities that come out of it. Yeah. He is hysterical and he is, um, he's one of those people that just, he can articulate things yes. in a way that n- almost no one else can. I and know, so he's got a gift. when he says things, you're just like, my mind is blown like what is yeah, happening incredible question number two is what is the strangest or most unusual thing you have ever eaten you know I'm a vegetarian so oh. I'm, I'm and i live in california so i'm like a you know i'm like a hippie <laughs> <laughs> southern california i eat a lot of kale um 
the strangest thing that I've eaten. I don't even know if I can answer that. Um, I don't, I don't know if I can. I don't eat like animals, you know. So yeah. there's nothing like weird. Like I'm not eating ants or anything like that. <laughs> um, you know, there's this, okay. So there's a beautiful sushi spot on Abbot Kinney, which is my favorite street mm. in the world. It's in Venice, and it's called Shima. And they have like these cool sushi rolls that are like so you know how like i get really i don't eat fish either and i get really sad that i can't do these like fun salmon roll kind of things <laughs> yeah and so they they do like these vegan salmon rolls and it's just they're so good and i don't mm. know what is inside of them but <laughs> they are like amazing and they have like like green paper like there's rice paper there's like all there's like green paper tea like it's just like very interesting Ooh. to me um yeah it's very, and I bet very the california present- but i bet um, the presentation is awesome too yes exactly it's called shima it's on abikini it's like one of my favorite restaurants and they have very cool vegan food oh that's awesome i am yeah. allergic to fish um so i can mm. eat shellfish but i'm allergic to fish yeah. and i love sushi so it is so i cry all the tears i didn't become allergic to fish till i was uh, graduated college and so mm. I know what I'm missing and so I, every time yeah, I, I highly I, recommend <laughs> if you come out here a call me and then I'll take you there that's awesome um, all right number three if you were the ruler of your own country mm. it's funny because I asked this question um, or I wrote this question down before we even had our conversation this is perfect yeah uh, if you were the rule of your own country what would be the first law you would introduce um god that's deep I know um, <laughs> The first, I, I'm a big, we need economic uh, integrity. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I think would be dope, I'm going to use the word, be very millennial, <laughs> is we need, here's what I would do. There's two things. Can I say two? Sure. We live in the world of technology. It's time to like outsource some of, like we, like robots are taking other people's jobs. Like we don't need a Congress. I'm telling you the truth. We don't uh- need it. Like I would love to do app based voting. So like if there's like a new toilet that's going to get started, I want to like vote on that. Like Ooh. give me the option to vote on that. And then on top of that, we need blockchain technology that shows exactly where all the money is going so that there's fairness at the top level. If there's fairness at the yeah. top level, then all of this corporate institutionalized corruption and all the other stuff that happens underneath would actually go away. Yeah. The problem is, is the top doesn't have integrity, so how the hell are the rest of us gonna have it? Mm, that's, so ooh, we need that's technology deep. to bring transparency and actually create democracy. That's my, that is my like dream. Mm, that is deep. That is yeah. deep. Uh, all right. So my last question, and this is a question I ask all my guests, and is today, what are you most grateful for? I am grateful for everything, honestly. I'm just really grateful that I survived that thing that mm. happened to me. Yeah. I'm just grateful that I'm back in California. I can go to the beach and surf today. Um, <laughs> I am, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to be born in America, honestly. Like, yeah. I think that we got lucky there. There's, you know, I think there's other nations that are really got screwed by yeah. uh, European foreign policy. <laughs> so, um, um, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm grateful. But I, 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 with that gratitude comes an immense responsibility to, yeah. like, uplift people. And so yeah. um, I think having the energy to do that is also something to be grateful for. That is awesome. Well, Somia, this has been just a, such a challenging and encouraging um, and wonderful conversation. I'm so grateful for uh, just your willingness to just kind of sit down and, and chat with me today. Um, and I I love conversations like this because they are so enriching. Um, and they just, again, they continue to, um, I think, begin to build that bridge to change. Um, so yeah. thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being such a like, 
friendly person. I think oh. you're making a huge difference by doing that. Well, thank you. I try I try to be friendly. <laughs> no, it makes a huge difference. We live in a society where it's easier to go on your phone than it is to have conversations mm-hmm. and get to know people. So yes. keep drinking that Diet Coke and then <laughs> you can go, go do you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. I mentioned this to Somia after we stopped recording, and I just wanted to say thank you again to Somia for having this conversation with me. Being able to have a challenging conversation in which we are bringing different perspectives to the table was so valuable, and I really learned a lot from it. Imagine if we could have those conversations with others in our community. Imagine if we could take the things that we learn from others and we could use them to fuel the next generation. If we could use them to educate ourselves in the next generation. I was so, so, so thankful. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you loved it, I hope you share it with a friend. Thank you again so much for listening. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the podcast. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment and leaving a review of the show? Leaving a review really helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. And if you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag business with purpose podcast or tag me at still being Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show is edited by my incredible husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.